Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Hot Topics, the studio celebrating the top 100 B2B marketing leaders in technology on Hot Topics' 10th anniversary of connecting business leaders. I'm Peter Stjanovic, editor of Hot Topics, and I'm joined by two of these award-winning B2B CMOs brought together after their inclusion in our top 100 list. As mentioned, we're going to be debating some of the hottest topics across today, namely the role of the CMO. I'll get them to introduce themselves now before we start. I am Simon Mouyal. I am the Chief Marketing Officer for Athena Health, who is a leading platform for healthcare headquartered in, uh, in the US. I am right now in Boston. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for inviting me to this exciting podcast. Uh, I am Milu Bagla. I'm Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Scient. We are a global engineering digital technology solutions headquartered in India, and I'm uh, responsible for the marketing function at Scient. And I'm joining you from Hyderabad, India. Marvellous. And as I'm joining from London, England, this is a truly global podcast. Marvellous. Simon, I'll start with you, if I may, please. Please, in your own words, define what a CMO looks like today. You know, the first thing uh, that comes to mind is really that you have to be kind of a full stack CMO to really look at the holistic experience you want to deliver to your key audiences. There are so many different touch points that can help you to not only drive demand and drive growth for the company, but also make sure that from a branding perspective, messaging perspective, positioning perspective, you deliver something that's very consistent across the different channels and the different touch points. And if you don't have a way to really master each of your channels, it becomes very complicated. So full stack uh, kind of CMO is really, uh, I think for me, the key in a B2B world at least. And meaning your perspective, what makes the CMO today who they are? From my vantage point, Peter, the CMO today is truly the CEO. And when I say CEO, I mean the chief experience officer, right? While we are running our marketing, brand and demand growth programs, one of the key responsibility of the CMO today is to craft meaningful experiences for stakeholders. And that's not limited to customers anymore right? It's your customers, associate, community that you're contributing to, and of course, the influencers. So I think that in a nutshell for me is the is the biggest pivot that I've seen in the CMO today. Knowing what we've seen of the last 18 months affecting most of the business world, um, not least marketers' ability to provide those experiences, as you say, Minu, to customers, both existing and potentially new, and just to connect the brand with the wider world. What have CMOs had to do in order to keep the lights on, as it were, and then slowly or rapidly, given uh, your own business, move forward, move past that and take up that mantle that we were seeing pre-pandemic? It's very interesting, Peter. You know, the B2B CMOs were traditionally looked upon, will traditionally perceived as more uh, demand and sales enablement roles, right? But I think the last 18 months, as I just mentioned, I think the biggest pivot is we have become the chief empathy, the chief engagement, the chief experience officers. You know, we have all been students of marketing, right? We've all uh, read about uh, the four P's of Kotler. I must say, I have discovered my own four P's in the last 18 months, And the most powerful P that has really helped me as a CMO of a large multinational B2B enterprise is purpose. 
I mean, what we started to realize is that while your solutions and offerings and services are important, I think in the times of pandemic, what became important for us is purposeful conversations and initiative where you invite your stakeholders to participate, to feel belonged was the most powerful, um, you know, I would say P. The second one, which I think all of us felt across B2B or B2C was the pace, right? The pace of change, you know, whether it was, you know, the change in structure, change in strategy, change in go-to-market, change in, uh, in, in technology and platform. And most importantly, the pace of change in customer expectation was something that we have never seen before at this, at this quantum. The third P, which of course has changed the game for all of us overnight, uh, B2B CMOs and B2B organizations overall, uh, were dependent a large on field marketing initiatives, right? And all of us started overnight. Now everything is digital, everything is virtual, which means now you need to really continue to drive meaningful conversation with your customers to not just gain their attention, but also gain their respect and trust and uh, let them you know, feel that you are the trusted partner of choice for them. And uh, last but not the least, uh, which I think has you know, personally really helped me, is Parley, right? which is open, transparent communication with your stakeholders, be it your uh, employees, your partners, your customers, your suppliers, about what's the struggle you're going through and where are you in your journey. I think that has really, really helped us. And I think that's probably something that has drastically changed over the last 18 months. Simon, do you want to add anything to that? Or have you got a very different perspective on the role of the CMO and, and how it's had to adapt? Yeah, no, I think I have a very similar perspective. I, I, I looked at it from a slightly different angle, but I think you're right. I mean, the... Uh, the most important piece is you cannot fake it, right? And the way I think our audiences, customers, prospects, partners do experience the brand and the connection with the brand is around three things. There is the see it, what they see from us, how we express ourselves to them. There is the way we talk about ourselves, the say it. And is it, is it consistent with, the, with what they see? But the real deal is be it. Is, is it part of our DNA? Do we have the right proof points? Do we have the right uh, way to explain what we do and the value we bring to our customers? Do we have the right customer stories to embody that? So the way people experience the connection and the relationship with a brand would be see it, say it, and be it. But the way we build our marketing would be the opposite. We're going to start with what we have, what's at our core, what are our strengths, what we can leverage our core differentiators, and then build on that. And that, I think, is a very strong way to look at it because then you feel a sense of purpose. Your employees feel a sense of belonging because they are proud of what they do and how their expertise and their work on a day-to-day basis is supporting the foundation of your messaging outside of the, uh, the walls of your company. And then, and then third, I think there is something important that we discovered from, uh, from the pandemic is What's happening outside of the walls of our company, outside of the walls even of our ecosystem, has a huge impact on the role of the CMO. So things like social injustice in the US has been a very big component on how we were messaging ourselves. The pandemic itself has uh, impacted our healthcare workers. So what does it mean? And uh, how can we make sure that 
what we say is in tune with that. So important to be aware of the context and use that to be uh, bringing more consistency and relevancy. Simon, how has that then all amalgamated to inform your new marketing strategies or at least adapt your previous ones? Very basically, I mean, you mentioned that, Mino, it's very interesting. We moved to a virtual world. (laughs) Historically, the healthcare industry has been very led with high-touch in-person engagement and building relationship. Suddenly, you find yourself that not only the doctors will engage with their patients via telemedicine, we had to engage with all customers via virtual. And uh, it was an amazing time for us to really test new formats and see how they would work. So that was the first impact that I think now has institutionalized a little bit the hybrid engagement we're going to have, which would be probably virtual and in-person. But uh, I have a feeling that a lot of people would want now to connect again in person. So I don't think the event industry has to worry too much about it. Uh, There's so much energy and positive vibes coming out of it. Uh, So that's that's the first thing. The second thing that I think was really important was really this sense of being more personalized when we communicate to our customers and our prospects. Uh, We talk about account-based marketing, personalized messaging, uh, more hyper-targeted campaigns. I think it has been extremely relevant because people, at least in my industry, were absolutely overwhelmed by the pandemic and how to react to that. If you reach out to them, it better brings value (laughs) to them. It better be something that can help them to uh, accomplish their their mission and their tasks. So really important that we would be able to focus on a a more targeted uh, messaging. And it requires that we look at our data and how we can define a better propensity uh, or predictive engagement. How do you think the role of the CMO then changes when we compare both of your sectors? You know, not only in different regions across the world, but you're also in different sectors. Are there obviously similarities in your experiences, but from your perspective, based in Hyderabad, I think you said, and within the, you know, engineering construction sector, what specific challenges or adaptations have you had to go through yourself in order to, you know, survive and thrive in where you are and, and also in, in what sector you're in? Just to reiterate, Peter, we are an engineering services and digital technology solutions company. We pretty much cater to 300 large enterprises across aerospace and defense and rail and transportation, mining and natural resources, geospatial, medical devices, quite a diverse portfolio of industries that we cater to, right? Now let's step back and see that these 300 plus customers are sitting in various regions with various portfolio, with various expectations and impacted by the pandemic in various intensity, right? There were certain industries which were far more impacted than others, right? So there was no one size fits all marketing strategy that I could apply even while we were dealing with the customer engagement during the pandemic. And to compound on top of it, Peter, um, if you realized, right, that India was hit by the second wave, correct? So while some of the regions where our customers are based were actually, you know, in recovery mode, all of a sudden, the country, which is the delivery center, is all of a sudden impacted badly, right? But thankfully, because of our uh, global 
and um, our multinational approach to customer engagement, I could do this well. I would say the biggest challenge was in a B2B sector like us, it's the personal touch with the customer. It's the human interaction with the person, with the customer, which is very important because the value of the engagement is huge, right? The longevity of the engagement is huge, right? Most of our customers would have stayed with us for decades, right? And our engagement with them would go with, you know, let's say upwards of, you know, $50 million, $60 million and so on and so forth. And the same cycles are long, correct? So the biggest challenge was how do we keep these customers engaged in conversation, updated, and um, without overburdening them with too much of communication? Because you would have realized, Peter, right? Whether you're a B2B customer or a B2C customer, if you're a parent and a friend and, a, you know, and in a community, all of a sudden, you know, after the pandemic, we all were bombarded with virtual communication. We didn't want to do that as well. So I think, to, you know, to find that fine balance, Peter, between pace and purpose, that I think was the secret sauce for us that, that really changed the customer engagement for us. That's fascinating. That balance, Minu, and Simon, I'll, I'll come on to you next. I think it's an important element of the conversation. Is that balance a permanent shift when we compare pre and post pandemic strategies? I think one thing that pandemic has taught us is that there is nothing permanent, right? It's constantly changing. However, I really hope that some of these positive changes are permanent, right? For example, hybrid workspaces are permanent, right? I'm sure hybrid customer experiences, the virtual, the digital, the physical, and the human experience part of it is going to stay for a long time. And I really hope the agility that most of us as CMOs have been able to brought into our structure and our strategy, right? We were all used to making three-year plans and five-year vantage point. And all of a sudden, you've got to change the game every month, right? Because every month is a new month. Every day was a new day. I think I really hope some of these changes are here to stay for a long term, if not permanent. I think there is a sense of... um partnership and community that is so dramatically needed right now. What I think we've learned with the pandemic is we need to have our customers back and we need to have this kind of a two-way relationship where we listen to them on a constant basis because their needs might shift. I talked about all doctors, how they have to shift from um, in-person visits at the practice to telemedicine. It happened within a day. So how you adjust to that? Being more agile means being able to listen to our customers and to their needs and try to anticipate them as much as we can. That's what I think a good partner does. And you need to have an operating model that allows that. You need to have a customer success team that's listening to them on a constant basis. You need someone who's going to look at their performance, their behavior, and what's working, not working, and be being proactive about it. Because that, I think, is, uh, is, is creating the trust-worthy relationship that you mentioned, Minu, earlier. So that sense of partnership and community, I think, is even more important than these days. And with that, Simon, those changes you've anticipated that feed into the change in the role of the CMO that we're seeing, is that also seen by your peers across the C-suite at Athena Health? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, i give you an example. Like, uh, you know, it's interesting. We, we've been thinking about how we can be closer to our partners, to our customers, 
myself. I, I had a customer meeting this morning because I wanted to better understand for the uh, OBGYN uh, specialty how people are using our product. So you have to be much closer to uh, your customers on a daily basis. And each function has to do that. My peer, the chief product officer, is spending a lot of time with customers and, and prospect and partners. So I think it does change the behavior that we have, which is we're not going to just sit and listen and wait for our chief customer officer or chief sales officer to tell us what they need. We also have to open our aperture to, uh, to have more conversation directly with them and listen to them. Uh, on a daily basis. So I think that's the main change that we see. The second thing is we need to be extremely transparent on how we turn these insights into action. So internally first with the C-suite, how we uh, redefine our roadmap, how we build our strategy based on these insights and why, and and build proof points on how it's going to drive value going forward and drive planning and investment. Fantastic. And it's interesting you mentioned that, that case study there, or example, because when we talk about the role of X, CXO, um, and the changes implicit within that, sometimes it feels like it happens in a silo. And then we forget how other roles are adapting to a role changing. So, for example, if the CMO, as it's developing its technical data and purpose-driven tactics, how is the HR leader, how is the CIO reacting to that to be a better partner to, to you all? So do you think then that alongside the role of the CIO changing and, it, and its natural evolution, are you seeing similar evolutions uh, across the, the boardroom? Absolutely, Peter. I couldn't agree with you more, right? And not only are those roles changing for them, but I think the extent of collaboration across the C-suite has improved by miles, right? I think um, the kind of collaboration today that's required between a chief product officer, chief technology officer, uh, CIO and CMO is far more pertinent, it's far more relevant for customer experience than we ever thought, correct? Given that we are right now all working in a very hybrid environment. I mean, just to give you a case in point, Peter, in a B2B setup, you know, typically the sales team would go and have at least uh, 30 to 35 meetings a month with the customer, you get a chance to sit across the table, understand the customer, listen to the customer. And and Simon, you raised a great point. I think one of the biggest learning was also is the C-suite, listening better to the customer, right? And given that you cannot meet the customer face-to-face or you know across the table, but the, the virtual platform actually created a level playing field Right. So whether you are a $50 billion enterprise or you're a $5 million startup or you are a $600 million midsize enterprise, you can be anywhere, anytime and still be in front of your customer. So I think that's that's definitely changed the mindset in the C-suite. And, and, and you know, you know, it's interesting because so we've been thinking about that for a little while and maybe two two. I don't know if there are best practices, but at least best practices <laughs> to programs that we've been thinking about. One was that uh, we have a, a lot of advocates in our community, and then we have this program that we're going to connect and advocate with the C-suite in our leadership team on a regular basis. So that's someone that's going to connect with our uh, CHRO, someone who's going to connect with our legal officer. So you have exposure directly to some of these advocates. and. Because they are advocates, they know exactly what looks great and they're going to give you the insight that they need to give you if they have any feedback. So that's one program that I think is interesting and bringing a lot of value and exposure to the C-suite. And then the second thing is, 
there is also a point where even in B2B, we started to think about what's the best story we can tell. And the best story we can tell has evolved from being a product story to being a customer story. And suddenly the mindset shifted to, okay, let's show how we enable our customers to deliver value. Let's tell their story because it has way more impact than talking about feature functionalities. Which brings us back nicely to Muni's point earlier on about the role of the CMO almost being the CEO, that experience officer, which it, I find fascinating because it opens up a whole more a new remit of what one can do with your business, be it your services or products or you know software, anything that you can create. There's a, a role, a remit to be more creative with what you can do. Now the focus is on the customer. That level of creativity it almost seems quite trite to say that it's been stymied by the pandemic, but that might not be the case. It might be that actually some of the toughest moments in our time offers the most opportunity to be different. Is that what you two have found? You know, B2B hasn't always been known as the most creative spaces, but I wonder if creativity is something that has almost crept up on us without us knowing. I was talking to somebody else um, last week and I said, you know, I think gone are the days where you're looking at this one wow mega signature campaign. I think it has become an exercise of continuously creating beautiful micro moments of meaningful experiences for our customers, right? And it's amazing, you know, there's so much of learning, you know, that we could take from B2C experiences, And honestly, between you and me, uh, Peter, I don't think there is something called B2B or B2C. It's called B2H. We're ultimately marketing to humans. These are human experiences, right? So whether it's a CIO we are selling to or a CTO we are selling to or we are selling it to an end consumer, ultimately they are human beings and it's all about giving the micro moments of human experiences. And, um, you know, Simon, you're absolutely right. It's no longer about the product story. It is about the customer story. It is about your own employee story. I mean, believe it, there are so many times our customers have praised us that, you know, it's amazing how um, Scient put its employee first. And we said, you know, we're going to first take care of our associates. We're going to first take care of our employees. And then we're going to take care of our customers. So, and, and customers really just love that value system about us. So clearly, there's no dearth of what creativity can do even for B2B CMOs. But to your point, Peter, absolutely. I think the pandemic triggered the B2B CMO to think out of the box, right? Is to think beyond the traditional product solution-led demand generation kind of campaigns and marketing. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. I think the way to define, especially for technology companies like us, to rehumanize technology and make it more, not something you should be afraid of, something more accessible, something that's going to really be able to enable you and power our teams to ac- accomplish more is really something important. Um, and it has to focus on What's the impact on uh, our day-to-day work? Uh, I mean, our customers' day-to-day work and how they can achieve more. That I think is really something important. The challenge is everyone is saying the same. And then at some point, you reach a situation where it's a kind of a sea of sameness. You show me different websites. They all look the same. They have the same codes. I would say they claim the same thing. So the only way to differentiate 
would be to break some of these codes and be able to be more creative. And it could be uh, using the way you express yourself with visuals, photography, creativity, and, and all. Or it can also be about, okay, what are you going to talk about? What's going to be your positioning? And what are you going to um, deliver to the world? So I think creativity plays a big, big role to differentiate and create a more distinctive uh, positioning in the market. We've been also seeing that uh, when you think about hiring people, you know, it's hard to hire a lot of people when you grow fast. It's also playing a very big role. People want to be part of an innovative, creative, entrepreneurial kind of uh, company. So uh, I think that helps also to bring people that have the same mindset and the same perspective. Brilliant. And then finally, both, uh, just to close the conversation for any marketers listening to this podcast who maybe aren't as far in advance in their career as you both are listening to all of this it's an unbelievable time to enter into the enter into one's career anyway uh, or at least be at any stage of it really but what would your main advice be to an individual cmo b2b b2c i mean i know they like those terms but wherever they may sit what would the one thing you'd advise them to think about in the latter part of 2021 and into 2022 I think I've talked a lot about the human experiences part of it, Peter, right? So I think that's something, that's the biggest advice I would give to B2B marketers, that it is not so much about your product, your solutions. It's not about you. It is about the customer. It is about the community. You know, and I want to, you know, um, mention this quote that I really like, which is very difficult for a traditional B2B marketer to digest. Conversation with customers will increase sales even if the product or the service is not mentioned. And it's a proven fact. But then most of us get so carried away with our passion and our love for our own products and solution that we sometimes forget about the customer. So I think that's the biggest advice I would give to the emerging B2B marketers. And it's a great advice. I wish someone gave it to me 20 years ago. Um, You know, on my hand, I think I would say maybe two or three things. Number one for me is really about looking at your category, your industry, where you work, what, what is the landscape and how you can really make a difference to differentiate uh, your organization and showcase the value that you bring on a daily basis. That, that is absolutely very important. And if the category is not where it should be because you know, there's not enough innovation, doesn't really matter if you talk about all the innovation you do, if your category is kind of a, more like a dormant, like a, a slow growing category, then reawaken the category, <laughs> shake things up. Like, you know, that's the idea. And, and I think one, one player that has the right value proposition can really do that for a category. So number one is really looking at the category and reawaken it uh, when it's necessary. The second thing for me is there is no one thing that's going to make a big difference. It has to be the addition of multiple programs, multiple functions coming together to really drive uh, what you're trying to achieve. Uh, when I joined Athena, the first thing I was really obsessed about was really to drive growth for the company. So I thought about what kind of demand gen activities, inbound programs I can build to drive that growth. And then after that, you start to think about the, okay, I'm, how are we going to launch new products? How are we going to grow the communities? But you have to think about the different things coming together because that's uh, what's going to make a, um, a difference at the end. And then last thing just for me, because now it's so, it's so very much important is really the, the, the diversity and belonging and how we communicate and express ourselves is so important. Marketing 
is part of it. Um, and uh, we're on different ways of uh, doing it um, in uh, with data, visually, how we leverage our employee uh, relation groups as well. So diversity becomes so important. When you build a new brand, when you build a new campaign, uh, my advice would be spend time with your ERGs, the employee relation groups that you have in your company, to get their feedback, their input, because that can help you to have a better product um, to offer to your customers and prospects. Brilliant. Thank you both. Some brilliant piece of advice there from both of you. And thanks for your insights across the rest of the, the podcast too. It's been excellent to have you both on this session. Uh, thank you, Muni, and thank you, Simon, both for your time.